Linda. Anonymous dun, tackle. Dun, 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 dun. Saquon Barkley runs into the back of his own offensive lineman yet again. What is shaking? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of the entire planet Earth, welcome to the greatest podcast. Literally, rent greatest podcast. I don't know if you guys knew that, but it is. The Matt and Dennis podcast. I, of course, Dennis Fitzy. He is Matt Scarano. Matt, what's shaking? Dennis, always a pleasure. Happy uh, end of week one. It felt good. We've been talking about since the onset of coronavirus, which which uh, we can probably rename uh, Matt and Dennis the Matt and Dennis Coronavirus Review, at least for uh, the year 2020, because that's what it's been. I talk about this word, and I beat it like a dead horse week in, week out on the show. Normalcy. Football is in the books. The majority of stadiums did not have fans. Uh, uh, here and there, one or two of them did. I think Denver and Jacksonville. Uh, so there are no fans. Still a little weird. But football was back. Um, I think when it came to level of playing competition, uh, we got, for better or worse, uh, exactly what uh, the football fan would say they wanted. And even, even had a decent weekend of college football, too. Also a little weird, but um, it was a good weekend of sports. Uh, good, to, good to be on here with you. Well, we made it, right? Everybody kept talking. Just get to the kickoff. Just get the games underway. We did that. We're a week through. Now we'll see what happens here in the coming days of this recording, it's Tuesday night. You're hearing this on Thursday, testing, contact tracing, all those things we've heard about what happens when these guys are traveling and the NFL's, I think they're going to be okay, but you don't know every week. There's more and more college teams that have to postpone or they have to have guys sit out. So we'll see how it will affect the NFL, but I think we're off and running. So we'll take it, Uh, but we will get to football. Other things of note to talk about as we talked about, Last weekend, sports are in full bloom. And I will start here because if I don't mention it now, I will forget about it. And I know because, Matt, you don't really care. But (laughs) this weekend is the U.S. Open. And I know we just had the U.S. Open in tennis, but for golf, it's the U.S. Open. I don't know if anybody out there has seen any of the pictures or the videos that are going viral. The rough this week is you could put a Arizona iced tea can into it and you could barely see the top of it. That's how deep the rough is off the fairway so if guys aren't hitting the fairway it's going to make for some interesting golf i'm beyond excited also because this is usually an event taking place on father's day weekend here we are in september we have nothing we had college football on we had golf thursday and friday college football and golf on saturday college football and the final round on sunday i mean i just we're not college nfl football and the final round i'm all hot and bothered man i'm all hot and bothered I was about to say that was a very sexual uh, description you gave of the U.S. Open, and you were also uh, very correct in saying, I do not care. Yeah, I, fig- I figured as much. Yeah, we'll hit on it next week as well, just a little bit, like winter recap my thoughts, because that's all I'm going to be watching. I'm honestly going to forego watching some college football on Saturday, even a little bit of NFL football. I'll probably put like red zone on the computer or something, but golf gets the big screen, especially for a major tournament. Luckily, the second one of the year. The first one that's being played, like I said, outside of its normal date. The only one not being played, of course, the Open, which is in Europe. We got the Tour Championship, as regular as it would be, uh, and then the Masters, which, again, getting me all hot and bothered because it's going to be early November 
and we're going to have college football in full swing, NFL in full swing, and the Masters is going to be taking place in Augusta, Georgia. It's just going to be awesome. But I digress. Uh, we have some hockey going on now. We have some NBA going on now. We'll get to that because I feel like we should probably just wait until this possibly series clinching game concludes. So we'll start with the guys on the diamond, the baseball team. And Matt, as of this recording, our baseball team, New York Yankees, put up a 20 spot on the Blue Jays. So pretty, pretty, pretty good. Yeah, Dennis said not only did they put up a 20 spot on the Blue Jays or any team for that matter, but they put up a 20 spot on a team that I believe as of this recording they are at least tied with or behind in the standings. And that is because the Yankees, since the end of August, have just been absolutely abysmal up to probably the last few days, uh, maybe the better part of the last week or so. Uh, everything, and, and you and I talked about it on the last episode, the, the injuries, the, the guys that are not injured uh, cannot hit the bat or hit the ball, excuse me. Our pitching, our bullpen has been terrible. Garrett Cole, while pretty good, has not been to what we, to what we thought we were bargaining for. At least down the stretch here, yes. Yeah, I think bargaining is, is a terrible uh, choice of words there. But, um, and, and you and I on our last episode talked about how irritating it is when this seems to happen every year with John Carlos Stanton since we got him from uh, Miami with Aaron Judge, how he can't stay healthy with Gary Sanchez, who's been having one of the most abysmal uh, uh, performances I've ever seen as of late. But, um, I feel like it was a day after that or so. Maybe they listened to Matt and Dennis. Um, and we talked to our inner circle about how garbage this was and how we were like, all right, we got excited for the Yankees for a time being there. And then the team that was expected to, to challenge us for the World Series and the Los Angeles Dodgers was, no pun intended, hitting it out of the park. Um, and the Tampa Bay Rays, which was not likely to take the division over us, but if there was going to be a team taking the division over the Yankees, they were going to be the ones to do it. And sure enough, not only have they been running the division, but they've been owning the Yankees in, in every aspect of the game. Um, again, I believe it's a 2-10 and ten record, uh, give or take uh, one game against the Yankees this year. And, and the Yankees, anytime they play the Rays, just the Rays have the Yankees number. The Yankees cannot figure out a way to beat Tampa Bay. And um, again, like since we did last episode, the Yankees have been uh, great pitching performances, have uh, been hitting the ball. DJ LeMahieu, which is no surprise there, um, just continuing to play like the stud that we know he is. Luke Voigt, I think him and Luke Voigt just tonight alone combined for, uh, I think it was 10 or 11 RBIs. Um, which is an incredible effort from them. So maybe this is that push that our good friend Ellis was talking about um, that they would do and think we're all happy to see it because like we know, especially in baseball, you can be great all year. And then if the bats die, as the Yankees typically do in, in October, and as, as a lot of wildcard teams typically get hot in the same time of year it doesn't really matter what you do as long as you get there and then and then we'll see what the bats do from there so this is a, a very good sign i don't think the yankees catch up to the rays um but the yankees should still if they continue the way they're playing right now should be able to, to get a playoff spot which was a concern of ours uh 
Yeah, mere days ago. Probably even a week ago. Yeah, and I, I think you're right with that. And I, the weekend where, again, it bothers me because it's the Orioles. And there should be no issues with the Orioles. There shouldn't be late-inning heroics. There shouldn't be walk-off wins. But unfortunately, there are. But hopefully, maybe that's this past weekend is kind of what built some momentum. And now you're facing a Blue Jay team in which a team you are currently chasing. Get some games on them because, as you alluded to, they're ahead of the Yankees in the standings. And right now, I don't know if we could talk on this a little bit. It's been confirmed that they will be bubbling the postseason. It was talked about for almost a month, maybe a month and a half, but it is confirmed that the American League will play in L.A. and San Diego, and the National League will play in Houston and uh, Texas, well, Texas, in Arlington, where the Texas Rangers play. And then I'm pretty sure the World Series will be in Arlington. I think that's still to go. I didn't read up ahead. I I saw the bracket got released. I'm pretty sure it's still in Arlington. But I know those are the two. It'll be Dodger Stadium and uh, Padre Stadium for the American League ballpark in Arlington or whatever yeah. the hell it's called now. Just confirm that. Yeah. World series will be in Arlington. Yeah. Okay. Um, and as of today, just getting just on Twitter, the Yankees are currently the seventh seed taking on the second best team in the American league. That's currently the Tampa Bay Rays. Nobody wants to see the Tampa Bay Rays in the first round. So yeah, win some games, get up over the blue Jays. And then at maybe you sneak your way into the four or five matchup you kind of don't have to see the Rays for maybe a round or two because, honestly, they're, team, they're the team that probably scares me the most. I know that the White Sox and the Twins have had successful years. The White Sox have really come out of nowhere with their young guys. Jose Abreu is probably going to win the MVP. I had no idea how good of a season he actually was having. He's probably going to win the MVP. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm optimistic. Yeah, I'm optimistic because the pitching has looked much better. But, again, it's like you said – the bats have been the doom and gloom for the last couple of years. And if they can get hot and we're supposed to get Stanton back and get judge back. And if they can come back and kind of get on a tear right away and they don't need a week or two to get into it, the Yankees can scrape off a couple of games here, move up into that postseason standing. The one through eight is currently there at seven. So there's really not much room for error here. Uh, and then who knows? Everything changes in the postseason. And here's the thing, me trying to be me trying to be a Yankees optimist, which I really haven't been for the last week. And I was like, okay, ready to transition to football, and that's that. And the Yankees will be a fart in the wind. And then of course they pull me right back in here. And and the thing is, like, while you're absolutely right, I don't want to play the Rays. We have time left in the season to to kind of get some some breathing room from uh, uh, some of the top teams. Uh, in baseball, if if we get there and the Yankees are on their game, there's no team in baseball that I don't think the Yankees can be. And unfortunately, the majority of times when they've played the Rays, I personally don't think they've been at the Ray game. And if they're not, they're not going to beat the Rays. They're not going to beat the Dodgers. They're not going to beat the Athletics or the Chicago White Sox. But I think, like you mentioned, if Stan's back, if Judge's back, if if Cole is, this is why we got Cole for these for for the playoffs. And to make that to make that one game difference that the Yankees really couldn't get in the last however many years it's been. So I think if the Yankees can get there, if we can get healthy again, and we get these kind of performances from, like for example, Luke Voigt and DJ LeMahieu, the Yankees can be anyone in Major League Baseball. And uh, it's it's tough to say that based off of like the past few weeks of performances, but this past week. 
kind of makes me think that that that's possible again. They're reeling me back in. Yeah, I mean, I'm in it. I'm still barely watching. I don't know why. What it is that I'm not just going to sit here and watch a full game. Maybe it's because there are no fans there, and it just really does. It's it tough. really kind of hurts me. It's weird seeing it. For some reason, I don't really care about football, uh, which you know we can get to when we recap week one and move on to week two. But I don't know. There's something about baseball where no fans there, the kind of crowd noise being pumped in kind of bothers me. So here and there I've thrown it on when I'm doing other things or as not as background noise, just as a screen in front of me while I'm, I don't know, having dinner, doing some work. I haven't invested myself and sat down and really watched it. And I think that that's also going to suck come playoff time as we talked about this last week where the playoff atmospheres just aren't going to be there. So that's, it's going to suck. I'm still going to be invested. It's going to be the playoffs, but I don't know. It's weird. It kind of bothers me. And now that sports are in full bloom, it's time to nitpick. And I'm nitpicking. I, I, that. I, I want fans before, back. Before we move into football, I, I would say this. I, I understand what you're saying. And for the most part, I agree with you where it is very tough. And it's been a huge adjustment for me to watch baseball or watch the Yankees get excited about it. And it, it was even an adjustment uh, at the beginning of the Giants game uh, Monday night um, to get into that, or just any football that was going on for the weekend. And I think kind of like you have to, if you're a big sports fan, you kind of have to find a spot in your head, like mentally. And li- like we've had to do just as human beings and as Americans uh, for the last better part of the last year, and uh, like how we go about life. I think I'm so used to just kind of mentally going out of this bubble that I'm used to, to kind of enjoy things and, and go to work and do all that, that this is just one other thing where I'm like, all right, it's different, but I, I got to do what I got to do and I'll, I'll find a way to enjoy it. And, and for me being the peasant that I am, I wouldn't have been at any of these playoff games anyways that you speak of. So. <laughs> Um, but no, I, I, I absolutely get it. But it's, I'm sure you could have found some cheap tickets to head to Comerica Park it's, and watch the Yanks this year. It's true. It's uh, it's definitely different. But I, but I will say this, and and this is what I said when uh, hockey playoffs were starting up, when baseball was starting up, even when MLS uh, soccer was starting up again. It it only took me a few games to get back into it because I saw how the players and the coaching staff bought into it. So I think if it means a lot to them and it's not just a paycheck and it's obvious in most leagues for me, it's been obvious to see that um, through the TV, through the radio broadcast or what have you, that's enough for me to get pumped up whether I'm at the local bar or in my living room. I agree. To um, each his or her own. Yeah. I mean, it's the weird thing. I didn't really, I, didn't, I haven't had a problem watching football the last two weeks. I haven't really had a problem watching hockey. I have not really watched any NBA because I don't really care. Golf. Golf sucks without fans. It sounds really stupid to say, but it does. But I've watched pretty much every event all four days all through the summer and into, you know, as we head into the fall. But I don't know. There's something about baseball that's just kind of weird. I also tack on the fact that the Yankees are just kind of upsetting to watch. But we'll move on. Uh, We'll obviously continue to talk about baseball because we're – ramping up for the playoffs. I would imagine next week when we do a show, we'll have kind of a
clearer picture of where things are heading, possibly some teams that would have already clinched. It's honestly kind of awesome watching the standings because you have a team, at least like in the American League, where the Astros look like they have a playoff spot secured. The Mariners are only like a game and a half or two and a half games behind them for the final spot. So they're right there. You look at what can happen in the National League with teams like the Padres still chasing the uh, Dodgers. So I can tell you, I can tell you this living in Michigan for the last two years, where especially after the Detroit Lions performance this past weekend, (laughs) uh, Detroit fans have not had between basketball and football, between every single sport that exists in Detroit. They haven't had a whole lot to cheer for. And the Detroit Tigers, I think, are maybe close to two games out of the last baseball wild card spot. I think it would be a game and a half. So, yeah, it's to have that two teams, they're kind of in a tough spot with how good the Twins and the White Sox have been. The White Sox have been a pleasant surprise in baseball. But yeah, two teams in every division has really opened it up Mm -hmm. for almost everybody. There's obviously many disappointments. We can get into that. As we get into playoff talk, uh, AL, AL Central is does have the uh, highest winning percentage of all baseball divisions right now. I saw that. I was tuning into the Detroit Tigers Royals game tonight, and they brought that. Uh, I mean, I I believe it. You have Minnesota and Chicago with thirty plus wins. The Indians can't be far behind, and then, I mean, I guess the Royals are maybe five hundred, just under five hundred. Yeah, they're not doing terrible. I could be completely wrong, but I'm pretty sure they're not doing terrible. Either way. We'll move on. Uh, more sports, Matt, tonight, basketball-wise at least, quick update. I have to update it because we've had the lovely Dom Costanzo on this show many a time, and he is all, as I am hot and bothered for golf, hot and bothered about his Miami Heat. They took down the Celtics tonight in overtime. They took out game one, so they have they have one loss in the postseason this year down there in the bubble. I don't know. I don't know how they're doing it. They have a solid team, but whatever. That's all I have to say on that. Also, game seven, Jason Nuggets and Clippers, they're waiting. Double, Jason Tatum will send it into double overtime. Almost, but didn't. I don't even know who blocked him. John sent me the highlight to watch. Didn't even watch it. Like, I just saw, like, the little preview screen of it. I don't care enough. It doesn't, doesn't excite me. Yeah. Uh, but the Lakers are awaiting either the Clippers or the Nuggets. I'm not invested at all. I'm sure the NBA um, would love it. to see an L.A. versus L.A. in the bubble. I'd, ima- I'd imagine just because there's more superstars there. Right now, it looks like it'll be the Clippers. Well, the Clippers, no, because the Clippers are uh, – looks like they're going to move on. Or no, the Nuggets, excuse me. What is the score? Then the game started like nine. It's got to be close to ish. Nuggets are up 93-80 to 80 right now uh, with about three minutes left in the fourth. Oh, wow. Tuesday. Um. Yeah, and the Lakers uh, don't play game one of – yeah. They play Friday. Game one of the finals won't be till Friday. Yeah, they are playing the winner of this game. So it looks like they will play the Denver Nuggets unless the Clippers really go on a tear in the last three minutes. I mean, hey, congrats for the Nuggets, I guess. I'll keep everyone posted. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they're all on the edge of their seats. Listening to this, already knowing the result. As we speak right now, the Lightning and Islanders are in a – They're going to double overtime, yeah. Double overtime. They're in intermission right now. I think the Lightning are going to come out with this one tonight because the Lightning, they score, they go to the Stanley Cup. The Islanders score, they still got to win two more games. I think they're, like, gassed at this point. Yeah, perhaps. Um, 
I think when we talk on when when this show is released to the public, you will have a a lightning Tampa Bay Lightning Dallas Stars Stanley Cup, but we will see. And you know, I couldn't be less excited for that. Not to say, hopefully, I jinx it. Even though they're actually two kind of entertaining teams to watch, at least so far through this bubble experiment, they haven't been that bad to watch. The Lightning got started all over the ice, so you know. But Matt, why don't we talk about Big Blue? We might as well just jump right in head first into the NFL season. Week one came and went as quickly as it usually does in a glimmer. Uh, I will say two props before we kind of get into football and obviously some fantasy and the Giants. Kudos to Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreet. The dudes are pros of pros. They're college guys. They obviously know the game, but to come in there, do the research, and then just give an awesome broadcast, kudos to that crew. Maria Taylor, too. She was on the sidelines. Kudos to those guys because I can't be – that easy to adjust. You know the NFL, you know what's going on, but you're college, and we're in college football right now. So we get them back this Saturday for Louisville, Miami. I know you're excited. I'll, I'll jump that Saturday in there. Night. I, will echo, I will echo exactly what you said. I love that broadcast, and I think throughout the weekend, especially if you have like an NFL like viewing package and you're watching games in all these different markets, not all of them are going to be winners. And um, – I think the only thing we can agree on is no one enjoys listening to Joe Buck or Troy Aikman. But um, I think we can also agree that ESPN over the years, Monday Night Football, the broadcasts have been a bit rough with Booger McFarlane and it was John T- Joe Testator. John Joe Testator. Those those have been those have been rough, and it was a it was a nice uh, change of pace with uh, Fowler and Herbstreit, and, and I also really enjoyed that broadcast. Yeah, and the fact that every year they do this Monday night doubleheader, and usually the second team is anybody. It's been like Mike and Mike. When Mike and Mike was on a radio show, they were doing it. It was kind of just like a fun gimmicky thing, and it never really sounded great. Last night, you get your elite-level college football guys, stick them on Monday night to do a pro game. Perfect. Just do that every time because it it was perfect. And this year's crew, not that bad. I I watched – quarter and a half-ish of the Bronco-Titan game before I just turned the TV off and went to bed. I made it to halftime. I made it to halftime, and then I woke up at, like, 1.30 in the morning, and I caught, like, the the go-ahead field goal in the last, like, 15 seconds. I saw the memes for all the missed field goals. That's how I caught on to see what actually happened. Steven Goskowski. Four four missed field goals? Four missed field goals. And then (laughs) – Teams himself with a win. My favorite meme was it was him kicking in Madden, and they put like the you can aim with the stick, and the things were like way off to the left or whatever. Like he was aiming. That was my favorite one. But, yeah, that's, that's pretty good. Though. I'm picturing it. <laughs> so, um, we'll start here with the Giants. Mm-hmm. I think that's the appropriate place to start. We've had long discussions in the infamous group chat that we've mess that we've mentioned on the show. Uh, since since our last game last year was like New Year's or right before New Year's. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't play on New Year's. No, I think it was year. a couple days before New Year's. And we, we, um, we seem to be kind of in agreement, which we kind of have been for the most part with the Giants the last couple of years, which kind of sucks because the reason we started this whole thing was we would text each other after games and go back and forth. Not that we were arguing or disagreeing in text, but we were having – 
you know, serious conversations and we wanted to do the podcast. And so far we haven't had, had any really big arguments, but is what it is. I mean, I'll, I'll say this. We've had big arguments, not really you and I, because like I've mentioned, I, I feel like you and I are most times on the same page. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm trying to get across. Like, I think the show would be more entertaining if we were to just disagree. But it's, you know, that's not authentic, and I don't feel like doing that. I don't want to be a Max Kellerman. I don't want to make you Max Kellerman. Well, we, we could talk before the show and just be like, Dennis, this is what I'm going to say. Just disagree with it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, here, Matt, this is what I'm going to say. Biggest takeaway from Monday night, to me, was effort. It was the effort. I think... I don't know. They said it in the broadcast too when we were down late and driving for that late touchdown that would have been meaningless uh, that we ultimately didn't end up getting anyway. But it was, this is a message to the coaching staff and to Joe Judge on like the team is not quitting on you. But I just meant from the get go, the defense was getting after it. This is a steal. I said this last week that this, I think the Steelers' offense is going to be very good this year. I think as long as Big Ben can stay healthy, and I guess we'll see because they had that dumb modified jacket that they're making him wear to keep his elbow and everything warm. So we'll see how much that holds up through the season. It's not going to be easy keeping your elbow warm playing in Pittsburgh all year. Um, But we'll see. But, yeah, and as long as James Conner is healthy and my boy Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson, another boy, Chase Claypool, his incredible catch, that's biased to just Notre Dame, but they have weapons and they got a lot of young guys and big Ben can still sling it and they have enough protection. And then obviously the defense and we saw the Pittsburgh defense kind of maybe, maybe the giants were kind of getting after it a little bit here and there. Maybe they were kind of exploiting the Steeler defense, but then obviously we kind of saw in the second half, they started wising up TJ Watt, one of the better linebackers, edge rushers, whatever in the NFL his interception where he recognizes the what's happening offensively drops back totally fools Daniel Jones force get pressure into Daniel Jones's face kind of force him into awkward throws or running outside the pocket trying to throw against his body what have you some key drops but at the end of the day it was on special teams watching Peppers return punts and kind of the blocking and defensively for a secondary that I was real worried about at times didn't look that bad. We didn't really release the, or release, give up the big play. And I think for the most part, they were able to get after Ben. You're not always going to take a quarterback like him down, but they got enough pressure. I was happy to see that. And it just, I don't know. It looked like a better team. The result was still the same, but the result didn't come with the fact of dumb mental errors. And I think that was my biggest takeaway. I will um, just starting off with what you said with the the, the dumb mental errors. Um, I, I think you're right. I think with with the exception of Daniel Jones, that interception, which I'm not going to put it 100 percent on Daniel Jones, the Pittsburgh defense, as we expected, was just phenomenal. For well, his the- second one, I put 100 percent on Daniel Jones. I, I don't think you should have thrown that ball. Yeah. Uh, you have- I understand his arm was hit. Yeah. We were arguing about this, and that's fine. But you have to have the wherewithal that that guy's closing in on you. Just throw it away. Right. You, you, this, you, even if someone is open, you threw it up into the air, and there were five Steelers there. Right. 
you throw it away, you even take the sack, chances are Gano is still hitting that field goal and you get three additional points. Yeah. That's where the momentum goes at that point. But um, I'll, I'll, I'll give you my big takeaway, but I'll also start this off with uh, disagreeing with you a little bit on uh, – Here we I, go. I don't think the effort um, is anywhere near the top takeaway for me. I don't think it's a takeaway at all for me, and I'll tell you why. Um, like, the effort was there. They kept – they kept fighting. They they got that touchdown, made it a, a ten point game, and they missed the two point conversion. Um, that could have made things interesting if you get an onside kick. Who knows? Um, not holding my breath on that either way, or saying that the game would have changed significantly one way or the other. Um, that having been said, we saw effort on. I, I don't put any of the effort on. I don't think it's oh we want to play for Joe Judge. The offense wants to play for Jason Garrett because we saw the exact same effort with the Pat Shermer squad but we saw that effort when it was too little too late and I think of uh, like on, on multiple games where it was already way out of hand and here we come scoring two touchdowns and but there's a minute left in the game and there's and there's nothing we can do we we've seen that effort and I attribute that to a lot of great young talent on that team wants to get to that experience level that wants to play that's led by captains like Saquon Barkley led by captains on the offense and the defense that while the talent may not be at the level that you and I and a lot of Giants fans want it to be there's leadership there fantastic leadership that didn't that that leadership came from not a whole lot of experience in the National Football League and I think we saw that with the Shermer team I thought we saw that with the Ben McAdoo team I don't attribute that necessarily to Oh, now we have Joe Judge, and now there's this effort. Even though the Giants were down and out for the most part, now we're coming back. We are now we're fighting till till the final second. We we've seen that before. So I I mean I disagree on that. I I think there were countless times where not, the Giants and, just look. And you're right. You're right. There there are countless times where we more so than not where the Giants look deflated and and yeah. and you and I were texting hours before the game. The giant. We said the Giants can beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. Did we think they would? No. But if they did, would we be shocked? I don't think either of us would have been shocked. But we both said the Giants need to have a lead. They need to keep the foot on the gas. They can't make stupid errors. And then if that's the case, if the Giants do have the lead and they're in that position, they can win. But if the Giants are coming from behind, if this game's even a tie, by the end of the third quarter – we're going to get exhausted and the better team's going to run away with it. And shocker, that's exactly what happened. Um, but my biggest takeaway that having been said was the defense Pittsburgh, good offense, not the best in the league by any stretch, but a great offense credit to Ben Roethlisberger after being out for the better part of a year with his elbow injury. That, that was a great performance. He did, he did look a little clumsy around the pocket and I don't at, at points and I don't blame him for that because he also created a few great plays too. But the Giants defense, especially for a defense that I feel like hasn't shown up for the better part of 10 years, uh, came to play, especially for the first half. And we saw some key drives where Daniel Jones looked good and the defense would, would force a three and out on Pittsburgh two, three times in a row secondary dare I say even looked pretty good yeah which we know we haven't even seen them since I don't even think we had a that great of a secondary when we won that last Super Bowl and 
I think our, our, our defense looked, looked really, really, I don't know if it's really great in terms of general NFL standards or if it's really great for giant standards. I'd say maybe a little bit of both in that first half. And, and, and I was really impressed with that. I'm excited to see where that goes. Let's get into this conversation deeper. But that, the, the Giants defense, the way they played, the way they kept them in the game when the offense, especially Barkley, was struggling to get anything going, uh, that was really impressive to me. Yeah, and that's where, you know, I come back with the effort defensively. We've seen, and Bradbury is one guy, exceptional, exceptional game especially for his first time out. That's the biggest worry every Giant fan has with the defense, maybe in the entire team. The offensive line probably is number one because there's some, you know, they're younger guys. There's, we don't have Solder, he opts out. Now we're, you know, we're forcing a rookie right into a situation, filling holes here and there. But the secondary, it's dumpster fire. And with the multitude of injuries, but we've seen this before. Norris Jenkins comes in, you know, a few years ago, that was the year Landon Collins was first started. We've seen the secondary look good. So it's not like, oh, let's all get excited for this. I think, you know, temper expectations because who knows where it could go. But I think just the effort, showing the effort through the game. And I don't know, maybe the difference in leadership guys that are on the team, maybe the way they're being led from the coaching staff. Hopefully that changes things. The culture that Judge and his staff are trying to instill and create maybe that changes things. Again, one game, we'll see. And I would also just stick into the defense. I would point out, for the most part, what a hell of a game Williams and Carter had because the pressure, oh. Williams and Carter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The pressure that they they put on Ben. Again, I, I talked about the first half. Again, I think we were a little tired uh, by the second half and the game started slipping away from us. But when the game was there, the pressure that they continuously put on Roethlisberger and Roethlisberger was stumbling around. It looked like he even kind of like uh, had a little limp in one of the, I think it was his left, uh, left knee at one point. And you could tell that they smelt blood and Williams finally gets a sack, the elusive sack he's been looking for, for and Giants fans are looking for him to get for so long. Yep. But, but yeah, again, I, I would say, and, and I think while the offense, while I have many concerns on the Giants offense, we can get to that in a second the defense has always been the problem because offensively we know the giants have talent, but we know they don't have the talent to just score every single drive. But if the defense can keep us in the game, which has been a challenge for giants teams in the past few years, that makes a big difference. And against a team like Pittsburgh that has a decent offense, I take that with some value. I agree. Like wholeheartedly. And this is the, like you kept saying, keeping them in the game. We were in the game, and then the Giants get, they come out in the second half, and that super, you know, 18-play drive. 19. We're talking nearly nine minutes of clock to drive down the field. You're not supposed to do that against this Pittsburgh defense. And the broadcast group said it, and you're watching it. Like, we just keep going, and we're not – there's no big yardage happening. It's dink and dunks and sl- slot routes. It's – Daniel Jones is getting the ball out of his hand quickly. Again, we'll get to the offense, but, and then to make the one big mistake. And to me, that's where the game turned. And then we saw just how much better the Steelers are, how much more worse the Giants are. The defense can only do so much. And even letting them down there and kicking field goals is hurting us because the Giants just couldn't get down 
the entire length of the field. They'd look good for 40-ish, 50 yards, and then kind of just fizzle out. First drive of the game, perfectly, perfect example. To set the tone early, we're going to punch Pittsburgh in the mouth. We're going to drive right down the field. We're going to score a touchdown and get to settle for a field goal, classic Giants. Well, then the defense comes out, three and out. We're going to get the ball right back. So this was – you're watching this like this looks like a different – Giant team, whether the Steelers are going to come out and maybe they weren't expecting it or maybe they're a little slow, maybe, who knows. Sure, it's confident. As a Giant fan sitting here watching it, it was ultra impressive if you can deal with the fact that we drive all the way down the field and get a field goal. But and, I, and I'm, I'm sure I'm sure what you're talking about, I'm sure it was a combination of things, I'm sure. And, and we talked about it last show. We said if the Giants want to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, who is a better team than they are, significantly better – they need to punch them in the throat at, right at the get-go because if they don't have that lead at halftime going into the third quarter, like I just mentioned, like you and I mentioned, there's no shot and we'll get exhausted. We'll, we'll be tired out. We'll make stupid mistakes. And we came out and, and played. I mean, we go down the field, and like you said, typical Giants territory. We get the field goal. They go three and out. They punt. We get the ball within the five-yard line. Of course, like we, we didn't do anything with it. Um, and th- those are the problems. And the the 19 yard or 19 play drive, which is fantastic for the Giants, and like a, a very well done uh, drive. And then the obviously the terrible interception uh, from Daniel Jones. But I guess to shift over to the offense and to briefly talk about the coaching staff, I saw Jason Garrett on the sidelines on TV more than I saw Joe judge. I feel like yeah. I didn't see Joe judge a lot until I, I would agree with that five or 10 minutes when, you know, when they're talking about, well, it's a young team and well, they tried and well, it's a, they're young and they're inexperienced and they're growing. Then that's when they started kind of showing Joe judge when like at the beginning, when the giants offense and when the game was still kind of close, they were like Jason Garrett from Offensive Mastermind from Dallas and and this, that, and the other. But, again, uh, I, I think Darius Slayton had a fantastic performance. I think he has – I think it's very possible that he becomes a, a number one wide receiver um, for this team. He looked like he already was. Yeah. It yeah. looked like he was looking for him when he needed a go-to guy – he caught balls out of the slot. He caught balls in the flat. He had his big play with the touchdown, the 49-yarder or 41-yard, whatever it was. We knew he had big playability from last year. Yeah, I think, you're at least hoping, that he's one of the guys that really has a standout year and the Giants can start building a solid receiving core for yeah. Jones. And he, it's, we're starting with him. And a few other offensive takeaways I just have. One, I have uh... – as I did last year, just with his health alone, but also with how he's playing when he is healthy, I have serious concerns about Evan Ingram. I, I really do. I think he's incredibly talented, but just when he's been healthy last year, just that this first performance, very weak performance from Evan Ingram. Uh, Daniel Jones, I think he, he played very well. I saw a lot of positives from Daniel Jones. Again, like you mentioned, he's getting rid of the ball quick. He shouldn't have to be getting rid of the ball as quickly as he is. That's still a concern. But he is, and he's doing it with accuracy. Doing so it with accuracy. He looks – find more... a positive and a negative. Right. And that negative is because the O-line is just yeah. not talented or experienced enough to give him the, the time of day to throw the ball. 
but he's getting that ball off quick. He's working with what he has. I think he looks a lot more confident. And hopefully this one game is a, is a good indication because he fumbled the ball a hundred times uh, last year. And I saw at least two or three opportunities uh, for Pittsburgh to, to force a fumble um, from Daniel Jones. And he held on to the ball in what I think would have been a fumble every time uh, last year, which leads me to uh, Saquon Barkley, who like, – in my personal opinion, uh, I'm assuming you'll agree, to no fault of his own, Saquon Barkley, again, just, just – and, and granted, I know what you're going to say, Pittsburgh, one of, if not the best defense uh, in football this year. But this O-line, we saw the same thing last year. Barkley's going to have a lot of trouble creating any sort of momentum. And all I saw from Barkley, I saw glimpses of – of the Saquon he had one run. No, but it was screen, screen, screen. Yeah, and it was it wasn't even a run; it was a screen. His yeah. long run, and then he heard. Or he kind of jumped line. over them at the towards the end there, and 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 that's that's going to be a problem. And the reason why I, I get so upset when I think about it is Saquon Barkley is such a good leader. He is such a generational talent. Athletes in any position like that don't come around often. I just have serious concerns. And I don't think this O-line is going to be amazing next week or the week after that. But I just have serious concerns that Saquon is wasting the prime of his career on a, with a team that is not going to be able to just set up the team around him that he needs to succeed. And I have serious concerns. And the more I look at Giants fans on social media, which is toxic as, as it usually is, but the more I look at that, the more I feel bad and the more concerns I have that Saquon's time as a giant could run out sooner than we would hope because we're just not giving him the resources. But I digress. Those are my offensive takeaways. I'll throw it over to you. Well, yeah, I was heading here uh, before you started talking about him, and I'll go back to the first one you brought up. Yeah. That's Evan Ingram. And I'm sorry, but watching him Monday night, he pissed me off, and it was a combination of because I own him in the low, the only two fantasy leagues that I am in because I was all in that if he's healthy, he could be one of the top-tier tight ends mm-hmm. in this league. I'm not saying he's going to be Travis Kelsey or George Kittle, but I'm sorry if you put all of those guys standing next to each other and told someone that doesn't know anything about football who's the best tight end, they'd probably ask and put they probably ask for their numbers because they look very similar. He's super athletic, super big, super quick, big hands. He's, he could be a seriously – he could be uncoverable. And Kirk Herbstreit said it multiple times when the Giants were driving down, look to Ingram because there were multiple times where they're stretching him out and now a linebacker or a safety has to come up and defend, and that's a mismatch for Ingram. He had multiple drops. He had one really nice catch. He only caught it because he pushed off on the defender. It's, it's very frustrating to watch him because this is a weapon that Daniel Jones needs. And to your point with Darius Slayton and us talking, saying, you know, hopefully he can – this is where the Giants build their receiving core. They should already have two. And Sterling Shepard is a damn fine slot guy. Sterling Shepard doesn't need to have 1,000 yards a year and 10 touchdowns. 
Slayton is capable of doing that. He had eight last year on a, you know, let's be honest, a pretty bad offense. Mm -hmm. So get him more receptions, yards after catch, big plays. Slayton can hit a thousand yards. He can get double digit touchdowns. Shepard's your slot guy. Evan Ingram should be able to hit 700 yards and near double digit touchdowns, especially if the Giants are going to be able to drive down as much as they are. He could be your big play guy. Just throw it up to him. But where's the confidence level in doing that? I don't see it. And I, it, it really bothers me. And I know it's only one week, but if we don't see it and then another health issue comes in, because let's be honest, as long as he's been in blue, he hasn't been healthy. It, it frustrates me. And then, yes, to agree on your last point, Saquon Barkley, I do feel bad for Barkley because I'm sorry. Again, they talked about it on the broadcast. Garrett did so many things offensively with Ezekiel Elliott. Why Elliott is still considered one of the best running backs in football right now. So you assume he's going to try and do those things with Barkley, who I believe is more athletic than Zeke is. Agreed. But the offensive line, to watch Barkley run up to the line and have no gaps, no gaps whatsoever. Everything has to be run to the outside. And it doesn't – the Steelers, the way they play defense, and, again, their defense is supposed to be one of the best in the NFL this year, it's just screen passes. And that's not going to be enough. Because and if I you would, can't run the ball, they're just going to come after you. And I, so would I, more, I would take more stake in how good Pittsburgh's defense is in affecting that. If it wasn't the – and granted, he was hurt for probably half of the last season – we saw the same exact thing when he was healthy. The exact yeah. same thing. There was, there was nowhere for him to go. And we were throwing to Barkley more than we were throwing to our wide receivers. And, and part of it, you, this, that's the second time you've said, let's give the Steelers defense credit. That's fine. We can. They're supposed to be a good defense. If they came in there with a game plan, we're going to make Daniel Jones and these unproven receivers beat us. Job well done. Right. Because then you have to take a step back and be like, all right, well, how well did Daniel Jones and those receivers actually play? Right. Because if their whole mission was to shut down Barkley, which they did, 15 carries on six yards, they shut him down. How good was Daniel Jones? Does that mean Daniel Jones could have been better because they weren't worrying? They, they were playing soft in the back. They were stacking the box. They were doing everything they can to eliminate him, throwing two guys on him when he's running out in the field. I, I don't know. I'd have to go back and like actually watch game film like yeah. analysts do or defensive coordinators and players and stuff like that. But yeah. that's what it looked like. It looked like their mission was to shut down Barkley and you're going to have to use everybody else to beat us. He's not, he's not busting off a 60 yard run. He's not going to get 15 carries for 120 yards and two scores. Not happening. Daniel Jones is going to have to beat us. And again, Daniel Jones is still young and still has some of the mental errors to work on as much the positivity we're giving him, he had some mental errors. The biggest one, obviously, was the interception in the end zone. Totally changed the tide of the game. And the Steelers then were methodical, just touchdown here, field goal here. Before you know it, you're down multiple scores. Yeah. And now you need two touchdowns and two-point conversion just to tie it. Right. And we don't get one of them until under the two-minute warning. So I, I, think, I think looking forward, if I may, for just a Split second here, we play Chicago and Chicago. And although Chicago 
along with Mitch Trubisky, had a very impressive comeback against a, in my opinion, uh, much improved Detroit Lions team that had potential playoff aspirations uh, or still has potential playoff aspirations this year. Thank you, Andrew, Mike. Uh, it wasn't me. I'm just saying, that's a two-division league. Maybe the people in Lansing are getting excited, but I'm sorry. Well, yeah, well, it was not. not yet. Um, but a, a team that is, has been improving uh, year after year in the Detroit Lions and had control of that game, but Chicago came back. I still don't have – I think Chicago is the worst team in that division, and I think Chicago is significantly worse than the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I think this Sunday will give us a good challenge. I hope Golden Tate is back because still, and we didn't find this out until maybe hours before, we thought Daniel Jones would finally have access to his healthy offensive weapons. It's never happened. He's never oh, had Barkley, Shepard, Ingram, uh, um, Slayton, all of them, Tate, all at the same time. And up until hours before Monday afternoon, he had that, and he still hasn't had it. So hopefully – Tate comes back healthy, but I think that'll be a, a good measurement. Again, I as, as a Giants fan, I know I try my best to, to sit in realities of where this team is in terms of talent and experience. We're, we're not there. Unfortunately, no one really in this division scares me. So I still think the Giants, if we stay healthy, are, could get six, maybe – if we have a, a, a good season, seven wins. Um, in large part due to I'm not afraid of anyone in this division. Do I think the Giants are division favorites? Absolutely not. I, I, I think I would have said that the Washington football team was uh, uh, the bottom of the division, but they had a very gutsy performance, and Dwayne Haskins showed some incredible leadership. Yeah, and I don't know if that if that game shows more about the Washington football team or the Eagles. I, it might show more about the Eagles, that, but I don't I don't mean to take the easy way out on that debate, but I think it's a combination. I don't think I think that game is going to my prediction that when New Year's rolls around and we look at the division and that division winner, I think a game like that is going to uh, en- encapsulate what the NFC East will be this year. Ooh. I really do. I, I think that's what – I think you're going to see a lot of split series um, d- uh, depending on the health of, of the teams in the NFC East and the Giants. I think the Giants could get one win from each of those – each of their division rivals this year. I truly believe that. If they stay. I, I could see it. I think the Cowboys will be tough still, but – I think the uh, Cow- I, didn't, I didn't really even oof on your point. Uh, the Islanders just won on a nice little – you hey. want two on one breakaway. Oh, nice. Sorry. So we will have more hockey for New York Islander fans, which still sounds weird to say. It does. It's weird. But here, Dennis, I just wanted to bring up really quick before we before we get more picks and put a bow on uh, on tonight. I had I had two comments I wanted to say. They're not really questions, more so comments. One I had was about Joe Judge. And this is just something as a Giants fan to go off of my comment saying like I'm, I'm comfortable where the giants are because, and by comfortable, I mean, I don't get too upset because I kind of know what to expect, but I just like Joe judge. And I, I, I'm not going to say he's the guy because I, I don't believe that. I don't not believe it. 
Yeah, it's, it's I, too early to... Way yeah. too early. The jury will be out for a while. We don't know. Um, but I will say, sometimes I wish, like when we look at Daniel Jones as well, when we say he's a clone of Eli, oh man, it is just nauseating watching these post-game conferences, watching these interviews throughout the week and throughout training camp you're not going to get a straight answer from either Daniel Jones or Joe Judge. That was the same with Pat Shermer and Eli Manning and Eli Manning his entire career. And I'm like, like the person, sometimes you find a fantastic athlete or a fantastic coach that has a personality. Every time they open their mouth, it's hilarious and you love it. And it brings a personality to the team and the fan base. The Giants by, by design have never been that team front office has never wanted them to be that kind of team i just as a fan sometimes i wish when we lose our head coach or our starting quarterback come be like you know what we suck or we sucked last night which we're oh you know this guy did good and this guy there were some positives and blah 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 and like when the giants go oh and six oh you know there were some positives we did this well we did this oh god as a fan especially with uh, as a fan of a team that really has not done much of anything in the last nearly 10 years. Oh man, that's so aggravating. I just want well, And I think it, it's weird because yes, Daniel Jones is the prototypical giant quarterback off the field. It, the, the, mon, the mantra, the attitude, he is at least what we've experienced for the last decade plus, but also it's not going away because we all know where Joe Judge comes from. The Patriot way is going to at least try to fully take over that giant locker room. And it's not going away. And I got to be honest, I don't care. If it does, great. Because they've been the best team of all time for the last 20 years. Right. And who knows, they looked all right on Sunday as well. Well, I mean, I I wouldn't say it's the Patriot way. I mean, granted, he came from the Patriots. But the Patriots – That's what it's called. But the Patriots way and the Giants way – are very similar which is one well, is- yeah that's what i mean and he's they're looking we're looking for a culture change so let's find a guy that comes from a team that has our same core values and he's going to bring in the patriot way and create this i don't know the thing, the thing about the core values though is when i'm pissed as all hell the next morning and i have to listen to the fan and they play these post game or if i listen to the giants post game and they play these pre- it's like no oh, we did this we did that same with every single coach every all the like oh god they're all like trained to like i'm like just one day just want to be like we suck or when we win be like yeah we did this and we like i just i want some personality and we we just don't get it ever like oh man like i want i want the john gruden for i want pete carroll like i want i don't necessarily want their coaching styles because they work other places and they don't work elsewhere but like just kind of that that energy, that personality, and the Giants front office, that's not what they're about. And just sometimes I wish I wish for better or worse, the good times and the bad, we could get that. Just just for once. So when we if, if we're gonna lose like this, at least it's 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 entertaining. And I like I can predict what what they're gonna say, win or lose a week before it happens. That happened that was just yeah, I digress. Um, the other, the only other thing I wanted to bring up football wise, and I put this in our, our pre-show notes, was as of a few hours ago, 
Uh, it's being reported that the Cleveland Browns are actively looking to uh, shop uh, Odell Beckham, which we thought was even a possibility before last year's season had ended in Cleveland. Um, some, some murmurs came up um, about the Giants ever being interested in bringing Odell back. Same GM, obviously, but brand new coaching staff, new quarterback. Um, I don't think the offense is any significantly better or worse than when he was here. Um, but uh, it, just, it just got me thinking. Uh, you know where I probably stand on this. Um, I, I, think, I think I'd be more eager than you'd probably think to bring – to, to entertain the idea of Odell going back to New York because of the new coaching staff, because of uh, Jason Garrett, the offensive coordinator, because of Daniel Jones, because of Saquon Barkley having issues. I think that could bring a lot of attention away from him uh, in terms of play calling, but curious what your take is. Absolutely not. I, I, I would be very upset if they did bring him back. I don't care if it's a new coaching staff. The one thing that's troubling to me is he's been flat out awful for well over a year now. And he's had multiple injury issues and I don't know what the deal is. I just, his number two in Jarvis Landry has had much better seasons in Cleveland than he has. And you can throw all the shade you want on the Browns offense, all the shade on the coaching staff, all the shade on Baker Mayfield as maybe he's not going to be worthy of a number one pick and won't be a starting quarterback in this league for the next 10 years. He hasn't looked good. And I'm sorry, but he had Eli Manning in an awful Giants offense. And he was one of the most electrifying and one of, he was a top five wide receiver in this league. I don't think there's any argument on that for two years. And then he started having injury issues Then he started having off the field and on the field issues. And I'm sorry, if you're going for culture clean, I understand this regime didn't make that move, but no. Right. No. And I, I, I think, and another thing too, if you're worried about receivers, just look evident of this past year in the NFL draft. The receivers were abundant. And we're going to have a lot more come out this year. People say coming into 2021, the talent level will be better. The depth will not be there. There will not be as many, but the talented guys at the top are better than the guys that were taken this year. I'll cough Jamar Chase, because if we're going to say the Giants have six wins, maybe we're getting crazy here and they have seven, we're going to be picking right around where maybe Jamar Chase should be taken. And he is the best receiver to come out of LSU with that team. He's not playing this year. He opted out. So he's going to be focusing on just the draft, but I would point out, and I don't know if Odell would let this happen, but if Cleveland did end up shipping him, let's be real. And Walt, and, and I can, because you know, and anyone that has listened to this show knows, I was one of the few that at the beginning of the season projected the season that he got shipped. I projected at the beginning of the season that he would get shipped. No one believed me. I was the only one that was happy about it. But this time around, and I'm not, I'm not saying I'm for it, um, but keep in mind, while you're right, I think it would mess up the culture because I think Odell's antics are the same, if not have gotten worse in Cleveland. 
Um, in terms of his performance, I'll say he has a lot more personalities over there as well, whereas he was the only personality in New York, and I think that plays into it as well. But I think also, just to keep in mind, the price tag, I would assume, to go back to New York would be a lot less than it was True. Uh, in New York or Cleveland or in many places for that matter. Everyone knows who Odell is. Like you mentioned, they know what his performance has been in Cleveland. That price tag is going to be significantly lower um, than it was the last few years. So. Well, on that, because his performance hasn't been there. There are teams that will put up with the antics off the field because that's what a diva receiver is. Right. But no, he hasn't no. been. He hasn't been a top ten, a top fifteen. No. Out in the National Football League. No. So I'm paying you the money. Do I think he's still incredibly capable of all of that? Absolutely. I agree. I think. I think. I'm worried about the injuries, though. I'm wondering if that's what's keeping him from getting back to what he was for his first year and a half. It's a, It's a possibility. I think to defend Odell, which I don't didn't think I would end up doing on the show tonight. Um, like you said, he was he was an absolute stud in New York, at least on the field, um, with a terrible offense. And then he went to Cleveland, where he was not the only talented player, where Cleveland set up a team that was, at times, projected to be a, a top team to win the Super Bowl that year. I was all in last year. But with just Jarvis, Jarvis Landry, Baker Mayfield, all the different personalities, that's only naming a couple of them that were on that team surrounding him, his injuries. I, 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 I don't think it would be a bad idea for a team to pick him up for that price tag that it's going to be. Will it be the Giants? I don't know. Would I want that? I don't think so, but we'll see how it progresses. I wouldn't. I'd rather build this team and build them with giant guys, drafted guys, young guys. That's what I'd – free agents here and there, but the money – I understand that's a good argument. How low is that price tag? I'd rather look elsewhere, but that's just me. No, I, I'd, I'd probably agree with you. All right, Matthew. We're running low on time. We are. So it's picks time. And if you didn't join us last week, your boy is undefeated. 6-0 and last week. Matt with the one loss. We thought the Vikings would take down Aaron Rodgers. Uh, and this is where I was going to bring up this point about fans just really quickly and because it's also going to kind of sway where i'm going with one of the games uh this week if these stadiums don't start doing something with pumping in crowd noise because we know they're doing it but they need to pump in crowd noise enough to affect some of these players what aaron Rodgers did in week one of barely having any camp against a pretty solid minnesota defense it's kind of unthinkable the game that Devontae Adams had to do this this early, I think there teams we're going to see guys have just otherworldly performances if they're just basically playing in an empty stadium with generic crowd noise coming in. If you're going to see guys, like for instance, one of the games we have this week is New England is traveling to Seattle. We'll just start there. I'm picking New England. I want to pick Seattle. Seattle looked real good on the road against Atlanta. I don't know how good Atlanta is. Atlanta put up some points, but I think they're going to be a middle-of-the-road team. Maybe they contend for the playoffs. They come up a couple games short. But New England looked good, albeit a Miami Dolphin team. New England was at home. But Cam Newton looked good. The offense looked a little different with him running it. 
defense is still there. If there are fans in Seattle, maybe I'm leaning the other way. How loud is that field? Is that stadium going to be? So at this moment, I like the talent that New England has over Seattle, and that's why I'm taking New England. So it's it's taking the fans completely out of this. Does Aaron Rodgers do have that kind of a game against Minnesota? If people are chanting scroll and blowing a big spiking horn. That's scroll, skull. Skull, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> I'm just saying. You understand where I'm coming from here? No, I do. I do. And, and first pick, before I get into that first pick, I disagree with you. I have Seattle winning. Seattle's performance offensively against Atlanta, who is uh, not a great team, but they are, they are talented. And, and I, I don't think uh, New England beating the Dolphins, and they even struggle with them to, to an extent. Um, I think Cam Newton's a good fit for the Patriots, but Russell Wilson's performance last week, and I think at home does mean something, even with no fans in the stands. I think Seattle does uh, beat the Patriots, who I think are still a talented team. I think they can still, they will still make the playoffs, um, but they're they're not nearly to what they were when Brady was going. We'll get to that other juncture. But um, really quick, yeah, if Seattle beating the Patriots in Seattle. Um, and I get what you're saying, and I agree. I think that the home or the, the performances of a lot of these away teams would be significantly impacted, play significantly different. The reason why I don't think you're going to see any change in that kind of uh, automated crowd noise or, or whatever you'd like to call it is I don't know exactly how the NFL or whoever would regulate that. I, I, no, I agree. I'm, I'm not asking them for whether it's what exactly does the crowd noise sound like. What decibel level can the crowd noise get? Because that's a, yeah. Can you fabricate? Let's put it this way: fifty thousand people. The fake crowd noise at Everbank or whatever it's called in Jacksonville or Raymond James in Tampa would not be the same fake crowd noise as you get in Kansas City, Seattle, or Minnesota. So oh, 100%. how how would you how would you regulate that? I don't think it would, I don't think you'll see them. I mean, if, if they crank it up in Minneapolis for the Vikings games, but they crank I it think up, they should let them go stadium by stadium. I really do. Get up in Seattle. What's the difference? It's, it's going to crank up in Tampa, and it's going to crank up uh, at MetLife for a Jets game. It's, but yeah, I do take Seattle in, in, game one, or right. in the first pick. To that point as well, you brought up Jacksonville. They, may have, they might have had the most fans at a game. This past weekend, they did. Uh, Jacksonville could have been the Chiefs if you count Thursday. Okay. It was about the same. Moving on. Uh, another tricky one. Maybe it's not really tricky. Rams at the Eagles. Uh, if you want me to go first? I have the Rams just because I think the Cowboys are the favorite in the NFC East, and I like their performance. But at the same time, I don't know. I wasn't really sold on their offense. I thought that they could put up more points. Again, maybe that's a credit to what the Cowboys defense has, but I don't know. I'm taking, I'm taking, I'm leaning Rams more because of what I saw from the Eagles. I walked away from my TV and stopped watching the one o'clock game and the Eagles were up like 16-3 or 16-0, whatever the score was. And then to come home and find out that they lost and then also to remember that that was my pick and our survivor league, league pick, that pissed me off even more. So the Eagles are officially dead to me because I'm going to be out of this stupid thing that now has like 40 people in it by like week three because I always mess this up. 
So yeah, I'm taking the Rams because I don't know. And also, if the Philly offensive line, which I didn't think would be that bad this year, looked as bad as they did against Washington, which I think Washington's defense could be improved. They have a pretty good defensive line. They don't have what the Rams have at defensive line. So what's that? What's Car- Carson Wentz might be out for the year, week two. I'm taking the Rams. Dennis, I will agree with you. I'm also taking the Los Angeles Rams, I think, for a combination of reasons. I think uh, the Eagles were uh, a lot more disappointing, which for me is a win because I hate the Eagles. But um, I, I, And to any Eagles fans, any family or friends in the Philly area that are listening, pick the Eagles last week. Pick them to beat the Washington football team. I thought when it was 17 nothing, I was like, oh, this, yeah, I think the Eagles were going to put up like a quickly perfect. too. Oh, it was going to be like a thirty-something to six performance from from the Eagles. And, we we're going to get to see Jalen Hurts. Yeah, um, but no, I think I think the Eagles were really disappointing against Washington, but I think the Rams were surprisingly pleasant to watch um, in their stadium opener against Dallas. I thought Jared Goff looked pretty good, and and I, I thought the the um, Rams offensive line, their defensive line as well. I thought were incredibly impressive, and I think if they can do that against the Dallas Cowboys, who I think are a better team than the Philadelphia Eagles, I think they're really going to expose um, the Eagles, which to an extent have already been exposed against Washington. Carson Wentz got sacked uh, however many times um, against Washington, and Carson Wentz has already suffered a few significant injuries. Um, So I I don't think you're going to see a lot of uh, risky motion um, in the pocket from from Carson Wentz um, due to that. Um, but yeah, I will I will go with the Rams uh, as well on this one. I thought it was in LA. Um, I thought they had two straight games. I just realized it was it was in Philly. Oh, I didn't know. Maybe if I wrote it wrong. Either way. No, it is in Philly. Yeah. Okay. Next one. Uh, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this. Baltimore at Houston. I'm going with the Ravens. Look, I know it's the Browns. Maybe the Browns are going to be bad this year. But I think that they showed right off the bat they're not messing around this year. J.K. Dobbins getting in the end zone twice is showing you that they are going to use a committee at running back, and there are no issues with that committee whatsoever with him and Mark Ingram. Throw anybody else you want. Hollywood Brown looked really good catching all of his targets. The defense, again, it's the Browns. How much takeaway do you really get? I don't know. And then Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson did everything he ran. He threw. He looked more accurate, at least in the, some of the highlights I saw, the little bit of red zone that I was watching. So, yeah, I'm, I'm picking them until they disappoint me or maybe until they face somebody that I truly believe in. I don't truly believe in the Texans' tough draw to get the champs and then the number one seed from last year and quite possibly the number one seed from this year. Football. I was about to say, that's, that's the worst draw in football. Uh, yeah. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't show the Baltimore Ravens' performance just because they played against the Cleveland Browns. I get what you're saying, but the Baltimore Ravens should have been the uh, AFC representative from uh, or for the Super Bowl last year. I still believe that, and I, I did catch you just running through your entire fantasy team there. So, um, uh, good job on that one. Um, but uh, I will also agree with you and go with the Baltimore Ravens. Only two guys. Look out! Look out for who? Hollywood Brown and, and Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Oh, you had Mark Ingram on the bench or something. No, I wanted him, but some I wanted Dobbins, and you Maybe. have Mark Andrews. I was going to take him. 
Maybe that's what I was. But thinking. I can't. I can't have three Ravens on my team. That's suicide. I wouldn't. I wouldn't throw the. Ta- I think the, the Texans will uh, uh, put them a fight much more so than they did against Kansas City. But um, I agree with you, Baltimore. All right. Next up, Atlanta traveling to Dallas. Uh, I have Dallas. It was kind of a toss-up, but I liked what I saw from the Cowboys Sunday night. I I really liked what I saw from Atlanta. I think they played a better team in Seattle, but I don't know. I think it'll be tough. I could be wrong on this one because the loss of Van Der Esch on defense is going to be massive. They lose Jarwin at tight end now for the season, and that dude that was filling in, I mean, the couple of times that I watched, he, he had multiple drops. So he might not even be a viable option for him. But I think there's enough weapons there. I think the defense can – we'll see how well they can, they uh, you know go on without Van Der Esch. But I, I don't know. I'm going to take them just for the – give them the benefit of the doubt because they impressed me Sunday night against what I think is a more improved Rams team. Yeah, I think I'll, I think I'll agree with you with that. I think Dallas uh, against the Rams had a lot of the momentum. I think uh, C.D. Lamb, who they obviously didn't expect falling as far as he did. I don't think anyone did for that matter. Um, but he had a, a good performance. I, even when um, Dallas suffered the injuries to the defense, they still they still played well. Um, I don't think Atlanta's offense, I think, I think it's better than L.A.'s, but I don't think by, by a whole lot. I think Dallas... Also, um, going back home will help. I think they're going to be hungry after this game. I think there were some questionable coaching decisions um, from kind of the forced marriage of uh, Kellen Moore and Mike McCarthy, but I think uh, Dallas might sort that out in the next week, and I I do think um, Dallas has more to offer, unfortunately, uh, for Giants fans than they shared against L.A. I also take Dallas uh, meeting Atlanta. All right. I'll let you go first here because you already kind of alluded to it early on in the program. Giants at Bears. Yep, uh, this is the, this is an interesting one. Um, I think a lot of people, uh, I think Mitch Trubisky surprised a lot of people, and I think more importantly for Mitch Trubisky, I think saved his career. Uh, <laughs> because I, I think if he doesn't come back and beat Detroit with not a whole lot of time left on the clock at Ford Field, I think they throw in Nick Foles because for – the entire first half and even more so than that Mitch Trubisky looked god awful and the Chicago Bears credit to Nick Foles winning a Super Bowl in Philadelphia but went to Jacksonville didn't do much got hurt gets picked up by Chicago those are not two quarterbacks that you really want when you're trying to rebuild your franchise um but yeah Mitch Trubisky credit to him put up one of and I agree with uh I listened to Evan and Maggie a little bit uh Monday afternoon they had him as their hero of the week. They do heroes and zeros. And I agree. That having been said, I still am not sold on Mitch Trubisky being a fantastic quarterback this year or any year prior. Um, I think this is a really good opportunity. I think the Giants will recognize that the Chicago Bears are not remotely close to the team of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think the Giants are better in multiple aspects of this game. I think this is a chance for Jason Garrett to get real creative with Saquon Barkley. It's not the defense of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think Daniel Jones should have more time uh, with his not-so-great O-line. I I do think the Giants win this. Not in a very convincing fashion, but I do think the Giants win this one. I agree. I'm taking the Giants. And I agree it could get ugly. And not ugly just because of – it's just ugly because of the performance on the field, frankly. We could see some ugly things from Chicago, and I think we'll see I some ugly things from the Giants. 
I can just make very clear, don't expect to see any all-star performances from either of these teams. Yeah, that's, it's, I'm giving the Giants the benefit of the doubt here. They're, yes, traveling on the road, but again, I made the point where I don't know how much road atmosphere is going to affect teams this year after seeing the huge performances we've won. But I, I, th- I agree. I think that they can get experimental. I think they can change some things up offensively, put up some more points, kind of score early and more often through the game. Uh, and I liked what I saw from the defense. And I'm sorry. I, this is their test for me and whether I will waver in the weeks coming. What I see from this game, because yes, the Pittsburgh Steelers are most likely a playoff team. They're at the very least going to be fighting for the wild card. They were last year. They didn't have half the weapons that they have currently. So, better team. I'm taking the Giants just because I believe they're at least a little bit better, if not equal to the Chicago Bears, weapons-wise, Giants. And I, uh, la- I would yeah. just really quick just to interrupt before we wrap this up. Um, like, talking one more time, just very briefly, about you mentioning that there's not really a home field advantage or anything. Let's just assume for the entire season we don't see fans outside of Kansas City letting in however many fans they did, Jacksonville letting in how yeah. many they did. I think that's all you'll see from some people like changing. Denver had 500 fans, but they were all uh, personally invited by players or coaching staff or personnel, whatever. Assume that we don't see any fans. You're, I don't think you will, I think eventually you'll see a significant home field advantage, but that's gonna come from the weather, not from fans being in the stands. So, for example, Miami going out west or uh, or going up north to play Buffalo or New England. Or yep. maybe even even a team in bad weather going from west to the eastern time zone or vice versa. I don't know. Um, or someone out east going to Denver. You, you get the point. Okay. Last one, Matt, and we don't have to spend much time on this one because you know, of course, in the six-pack picks, Three regional teams. We're missing just one. That is the lone, sadly, Jets. They are taking on the 49ers this week. Sorry, Jet fans. Le'Veon Bell's on the IR. I think Gase is in danger of probably losing his job midway through the season because I said this last week that this team is going to be a dumpster fire, and they proved me completely right last week. They look awful against Buffalo. To be fair, Buffalo... I think, like you said it last week, I think, Matt, in the driver's seat to win that division this year. My I think they're going to be a very good team, but they looked awful. Awful. Sam Darnold, I mean, we're talking giving praise to Daniel Jones for minimal improvements here. I don't know where any improvement lies in that Jet offense or for Sam Darnold. Right now, the, uh, I can't even think of the word that I want to say, GM and management and the front office. There you go. That's what I'm trying to say. So the Giants currently look like geniuses for taking Saquon Barkley and not drafting the quarterback in that year because so far Baker Mayfield is on everyone's crap list. Sam Darnold is right behind him. Josh Allen is the one guy nowhere. Sam wrote or Sam Rosen. Drew Rosen isn't even on a team anymore. And then Josh Allen is the one guy no one really believed in. And he probably is going to be the best out of all. 49ers by a well, first off, first off uh, sorry about your survival picks uh, loss. I did pick the Buffalo Bills, so want to know. Um, but I will also say, Dennis, the Giants just didn't take Saquon Barkley over a quarterback. They took Saquon Barkley over Sam Darnold. 
the Giants were going to take Sam Darnold. Yeah. And Sam Darnold, forget all the other problems that the Jets have with their offense, their defense, and their coaching staff. The one bright spot that to this day Jets fans are still holding on to as we speak right now is that Sam Darnold, one of these weeks, will wake up and be this stud elite NFL quarterback. And granted, he had mono for, for a while there. He was making out with... He had, gl- he had glimmers last year. He was on my fantasy team. Him and Kyler Murray were my two quarterbacks the last like six weeks of the year. And Sam Darnold, I don't know how much time they're, they're going to give him, but Sam Darnold is not... Daniel Jones has shown me more in less than a full season. And Sam Darnold has shown me or Jets fans alike. And that having been said, I agree with you. 49ers over Jets. I think the only reason Adam Gase is still the Jets head coach is because that team is so bad right now. What is another head coach going to do? At least let Adam Gase sit in there, stay on the Jets sideline, be the New York media, New York sports fans punching bag for a while until they can, like the next draft or two, can't get there quick enough for the Jets. Uh, But yes, agree with you. Easy pick. 49ers over the Jets, which means I can only tie you at best after week two. That is true. Not going to be your strategy last year where I picked teams I don't believe are actually going to win. Well, I got down so badly, like after (laughs) one week. I had a rough start to the year. I had some one in five weeks. So I just had to start making picks. Get back in it. Never happened. So, we'll just play it clean. I got a one-game lead. I might have a two-game lead. Who knows? Who knows? Nobody knows until next Sunday, and then, well, you won't know until we release the next show, unless you super pay attention to the picks here. You all should be. You should be keeping track for us. Hey, some people like in the forum, some moderators. Extra, extra non-counting pick just for fun. Thursday night football, Browns, Bengals. Who wins? I got the Bengals. Yeah, 100% give me the Bengals. Dude, Joe, Joe Burrow almost pulled off an awesome come-from-behind win late uh, – look, uh, I'm trying to think of the word. Heroics, just late-game heroics. He had it. A little pushed off. He couldn't believe it. They, didn't, they wouldn't have called that if he was down there on the bayou. They called it up north, though. Yeah. Oh, that, that, that's – I don't know if I'm going to watch it, though. I don't know if – I mean, maybe I will. Honestly, I'm genuinely excited for that. That's a, that's a bonus pick right there. I, I am looking forward to that. Well, sadly, we both agree on the pick. It's not going to matter either way. Matt, pleasure as always. And, of course, to the listener, you, thank you for tuning in. Again, follow us on Twitter, Matt Dennis Pod, on Facebook. Hit us up there if you want to be on the show. I'm putting a bow on it. Is that it? Yeah, where's your little oh, yeah. nothing? <clears throat> Nothing for the people? Mayday, mayday, mayday. What the heck is that? Oh, why, that's the Russian New Year. <laughs> we got a parade and some hot herbs. Better than that. <laughs>